1: How can such a race be placed before me couldn't it be a lot easier lord but he goes on to say in verse 2 of chapter 12 he says looking on to jesus who's the author and finisher of our faith he is more than a coach he's not only in you he's alongside you he'd never leave you nor forsake you he's there he's, he's omnipresent he's all he's at all places at all times he's at the finish line calling you on okay so we have christ we don't run this race by ourselves
0: Jesus promised us that in this life, we will have many troubles. All of us have experienced hardship at some point in our lives, but as Christians, we have Jesus with us. He is the author and finisher of our faith. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will be sharing about the encouragement that we have in Christ as we face this life. He is the one who will strengthen us when we need strength and guide us when we need the wisdom to make decisions. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. As he begins his message, God's discipline proves his love.
1: Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We'll follow the word of God verse by verse, chapter by chapter find ourselves in hebrews chapter 12 let us go before the lord in prayer heavenly father we thank you for all our lives lord you have been faithful you have been a faithful shepherd you always lead us to still waters green pastures lord lord help us now live a life that glorifies and honors you to be obedient one thing we find out about the good shepherd He said, that rod and thy staff comforts me. And Lord, that's what we're going to learn today, about the disciplines of God. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would teach us. Open up our eyes to see what your word has to say, ears to hear, our minds to understand, and pray that we remember, but also our hearts ready to receive. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, the last time we were together, we began chapter twelve, verses one through four, and in Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through four. The writer of Hebrew tells us to run the race of faith, run the race of faith. And since the Lord Jesus Christ, it's better than Moses. He's better than the high priest. He's a better hope, a better covenant, a better promise. Since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, these witnesses are referring to Hebrews chapter 11. Remember we studied Hebrews chapter 11. The right of Hebrews gave us the hall of faith saints who are mentioned in chapter 11 and they have ran their race of faith and have finished well. But this... Cloud of witnesses is not what some people think. They're not spectators to cheer us on, but they're there as witnesses to us by the lives they lived in faith and they have endured. And so they're setting an example, a high standard for us to follow. Now, the writer of Hebrew tells us to run the race of faith, and the only way to run effectively and to finish well, he coaches us in three areas. So, you know, the writer is kind of giving us a coach. You've got to run the race of faith. And here's three things you need to know. Number one is all in verse one. Number one, he said, lay aside every weight lay aside every weight in other words there are things that are not necessarily sin but there is weight when a runner runs he doesn't put on a backpack he runs without a backpack he and so in the same way there are things in our lives that puts weight on our run and our race of faith it could be relationships it could be job career hobbies these things in and of itself are not sin but what happens is when this is all we think about and we consume our life with these things and put God aside we're not running the race of faith and then he tells us number two he said lay aside the sin which so easily ensnares us now keeping this in context remember he's writing to the first reader of the Hebrews and they were Jewish believers who accepted Christ as the Messiah but were tempted to go back to the priest go back to the temple And the word sin there in verse 1 of chapter 12 is singular. It's not sins. And the sin for them is apostasy. they already accepted Christ. There is no other way to enter the kingdom of heaven. And it is not the the blood of the animals and lambs, but it's the blood of Jesus. You turn your back on that, there is no repentance. That's all there is. So that is the sin speaking, but it also applies to us. There are sins that we commit that offends God. Because we're believers in Christ, we're saved through faith in Christ Jesus. We're not sinners in the sense that we don't practice sin because we do sin, but we do sin because we're still here, right? We still have a free will. We still mess up, don't we? But the sins that we do commit, we need to lay that aside because what that does, it hinders your race. It hinders your relationship with Jesus Christ. The third thing that our coach tells us to do is that we must run with endurance the race run with endurance the race now the word race here we looked at it last time is the word aragon which we get the word agony okay so it's not just a race where one would run a track but it's a race that's you know it's not just a sprint is not just a walk in the park it is going to cause pain and it goes on to say, let us run the race with endurance, the race that is set before us. This race that you're running in Christ Jesus has been set before you, Christ had set that track. He has set that track, and you think, "Well, Lord, uh, couldn't it be twenty yards rather than twenty miles? You know, couldn't it, the track be very nice and cushiony, brand new astroturf or whatever it is?" Yeah. But I see, it's like twenty miles. It seems like fifty miles. There are potholes, and there's so many obstacles, and it's hard for me to run. You know, God has placed you there because that's how you grow. But the important thing, you may think, "Well, how can such a race be placed before me?" Couldn't it be a lot easier, Lord? But he goes on to say, in verse 2 of chapter 12, he says, looking unto Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith. He is more than a coach. He's not only in you. He's alongside you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's there. He's, he's omnipresent. He's all. He's at all places at all times. He's at the finish line calling you on. Okay, so we have Christ. We don't run this race by ourselves. Now that brings us to verses five and seventeen of Hebrews chapter twelve. We're going to look at verses five and seventeen, and we're going to see as we read that the writer of Hebrew he continues to encourage us to endure, to endure, and we're going to see the metaphors change from running a race to being disciplined. Okay. And some of you may not like this, but let's read it. It's not going to be a popular message, that's for sure. Let us read verses 5 through 17. The writer of Hebrew writes this, Now you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My sons, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives if you endure chastening God deals with you as with sons for what son is there whom a father does not chasten but if you are without chastening of which all have become partakers then you are illegitimate and not sons furthermore we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirit and live for then, indeed, for a few days, chasten us as seemed best to them. But he, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down. And the feeble knees and make straight path your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this many become defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau Who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterwards when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. In this section we can see again the writer has shift, has changed the metaphors from a coach encouraging us to endure the race of faith. To a loving father who disciplines his child. From a loving father who disciplined his child. So, for those of you who are taking notes, we divide our study in verses 5 through 11. Verses 5 through 11. The rite of Hebrew encouraged us to endure the disciplines of God. Enduring the disciplines of God. In verse 12 through 17, the writer here encouraged us to endure the renewing of our spiritual life. Renewing the spiritual life. And so we read the text. Let us now study it verse by verse. Let us look at verse 5. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. And it says, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as son. You have forgotten. In other words, these are the first readers of Hebrews were Hebrews. They knew the Old Testament or the Tanakh. They knew the Proverbs, they studied the Proverbs, there's a lot of wisdom in Proverbs, and this Proverb they forgot, and he's quoting Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, so he says, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him, verse 6, for whom the Lord loves he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives, So now, we see the word chastening or chasten here in verses 5 and 6, and we'll continue to see that. But the word chasten or chastening is mentioned 28 times in the entire Bible. Six times in this chapter alone. Chasten, chastening is mentioned six times in this chapter alone. It is the Hebrew word paiduo, and it means to train, to be instructed, to be taught, to cause one to learn. Okay, and some other passages in the scripture, this same Greek word paiduo is also translated in the English word to learn. So you find that in the book of Acts, you find it in Titus. It also translated learn. So if you ever look at the Greek words as you study, some of the words that says learn might be paiduo. And so the idea here is that as a father speaks to his son, So too, now also son, children, daughters, we're speaking to parents in general, so too God speaks to his children. He speaks to his children. And like a father who chastens his son, so too God chastens us to train us, to instruct us, to teach us, so that we would what? Learn. So that we will learn. Now before we go any further, it's important to know and understand that we, you and I, those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, those of us who have been born again, you and I are children of God. As soon as you accepted Christ, repented of your sin, received Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, you are automatically a son and daughter of God. Okay? And you're born again, you're a child of God. It tells us in the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, verses 12 to 13. John writes this, but as many "...as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God." So that's why we use the term, you must be born again. Born again spiritually. Every single one of us have been born out of the wombs of our mother, physically. That all began back with Adam, when God put Adam in a deep sleep. Out of the rib of Adam, we have Eve, and between the two of them, that's when all of God's creation, men and women, has been created. We moved on. But at the cross, it is through the rib of Christ that we've been born again. It's by his blood. So the blood of Jesus Christ is a lot thicker than the blood of man, is it not? We are sons and daughters of God, and it's important for you to understand. So people say, oh, we're all God's children. That's not true. That's not biblically true. We're all God's creation from Adam, Okay. But it is through Christ that we become born again. We are children of God. And so, as children of God, what does God do? Because he loves you, he chastens us. But here, there's a strong word in here that kind of probably makes you think, Whoa, oy vei, scourge, scourge. That's a strong word. And, you know, the Old Testament, uh, the first read of of the book of Hebrews understood that chasing, that scourging. It it refers to a whip, a whipping. Now, in in our vernacular, we kind of look at it differently. You know, I don't know about you, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. (laughs) But the idea here is not that God whips you. I don't know. Anybody's been whipped by God. Okay. Okay. So it's just to give you the picture of that when God does discipline you, and he does. Sometimes it is painful. It is painful. And that's the idea here. I don't know if you heard this from your parents. You probably have, right? Now, son, this is going to hurt me. than it's going to hurt you. Uh, Many of you heard that. I've heard that many times because many times I've been in trouble. So that's why I've heard it many times. (laughs) And so we know for sure that God, when he does discipline, he disciplines, you know, with grace and love We have a misinterpretation of discipline, right? We hear that word and it just kind of feels bad, you know, discipline. But God does it so beautifully. He does it rightly. And we're going to see when God does discipline... The fruit that happens, and so this is something that God has instructed all of us as parents, many of us here who are parents, is important because it's a scripture. Now people may say, well, this is kind of old, you know this is ancient. Uh, no, it's still <laughs> godly wisdom. Trust me, God created man, He knows the behavior of man, He knows the behavior of children. and how do you raise children? The Bible tells you how to raise children. And we know this proverb, right? Because we probably quote this to our children, right? Because your parents probably quote this to you if they went to church and you went to Sunday school. But here is Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. This is what the proverb writes. He who spares his rod hates his son. That's serious stuff. But he who loves him disciplines him. But not only disciplines him, he disciplines him promptly. Okay, so we chase chasing our children. We discipline our children because we love them. We want them to learn. Our kids don't always learn in every stage of life from toddler to a young kid to a preteen to a teen. Teen is where you need a lot of prayer, I understand. But, you know, we don't sit down with a three-year-old and say, Now, junior, three-year-old, you don't take cookies from the cookie jar before dinner I tell you why you see the digestive system and they don't understand that (laughs) okay what happens is a little spanking in the bottom okay that's what it is that's what it tells us here you spare the rod you hate your child very simple but if you love your child you discipline him or her promptly promptly that's important don't say okay I'm going to discipline my child when I count to two and a half you know that, right? How many parents do you have? If by the time I count to three, what, when do you think they're going to stop? Two and three quarters. Now you know this. You should know that you're much older than kids. You, you should know this. It's better. Or, you know, you make empty threats. You make empty threats. They're going to say, Oh, your words are not that serious. It says, you know, to make it promptly, promptly. And, and that's important for us because... You know, that's how young ones learn. And if you do it well when they're young, you don't have to worry when they're teenagers. It's too late. There's an analogy that someone said that children from the age of 11 or 12 are like a bucket of wet cement. Right? When they get to age 11 or 12, no, they're, when they're born, they're like a bucket of wet cement. By the time it dries up to the age of 11 or 12, it's too late. The cement, whatever in that cement bucket of cement, is dried up with the concrete, and that's why the discipline formulas are different as they grow up. Because if you don't discipline when they're young, forget it. They're gonna. But anyway, you know, and it deals with a lot—not just the physical, but also on the inside. I remember. It was a McDonald's. I saw this child was standing on the seat while he was eating his Happy Meal, but he didn't care. I was standing on his chair. The mother said, Junior, whatever the name was, sit down. I forgot the age of the child, maybe four or five, and he didn't want to sit down. He was standing on the chair. I said, Junior, whatever his name, sit down. And he didn't, want, he didn't sit down. The third time the mother got up, I tell you, sit down. You know that face to Why does that work? I don't know. Anyway, the child finally sat down. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This is important. He may be sitting down physically, but deep inside, he's standing up. It's the attitude. It's the attitude. It's important. Raising a child is important because they're going to, if you don't teach them at home, they're going to learn the hard way outside the home. And I can tell you, as a retired police officer, I saw many teenagers, a lot of teenagers, almost daily, come into the station house. We're talking about kids 12, 13, 14 years old, 15 years old with guns. Why? Because they're not disciplined at home. And they don't know right from wrong. Because at home, they're not taught right from wrong. Who do you think is going to teach them right from wrong? It's too late when they have a criminal record. (laughs) You know what I mean? They're already in the legal system. They're going to learn by having you know cuffs. Well, there's certain ways how we deal with juveniles, but it's sad. There's no one to train them. There's no one to love them. Love them enough to discipline them. And so it's to the point sometimes, you know, that you know they need the discipline, but they don't get it. And discipline, you know, it's painful, but because God loves you, it's going to be painful at times. It's going to be painful. But one thing for sure, God is not gonna beat you. He's not gonna beat you. Now. It's important. Now, we understand that God chastens us. We understand that he disciplines us. Now, the writer goes on. We're not going to leave verses 5 and 6 just yet, but we're going to look at some of the the instructions, the things to avoid when God is chastening you, when God is disciplining you. And you're going to probably see this in your own life or in your own kids, okay? He tells us to avoid two things. Look at verse 5 again. He said, do not despise. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord don't despise it now this word despise you may think is uh, the word that you would normally use but is ole and it here is only mentioned here nowhere else in the new testament is only mentioned here and it means to care little for to esteem lightly so what he said do not despise what he said is do not take the discipline the chasing of the lord lightly take it seriously okay now sometimes we only take seriously if it's painful But sometimes it may not be as painful, okay? It may be a simple rebuke rather than a scourging. It's a simple rebuke. But he's saying here, the first thing you want to do is do not despise. Do not take it lightly. Why? Because it's important when God chastens you, when he rebukes you, when he corrects you. The simple reason so that you will not drift away, you will not fall away. And if you continue in in that way and God doesn't chasten you and you take it lightly, what's going to happen is going to lead to destruction. Because what happens with sin? You just think, oh, it's just a little sin. It's not a big deal. Just a little sin. God's grace, God's grace, God's grace. That's all it is. You know, you just hang on God's grace. No, but sin separates us from God now you're born again you're a believer in Christ you have a relationship but when you continue to sin we've all have been there right many of us who've been in, in the Lord for some time you know there's been times where you know I just haven't been really praying I haven't spent time in devotion I haven't spent time in the word I haven't been st- spent time in the fellowship what happens you drift away you drift away and it could be dangerous because what happened with one sin what happens it just kind of multiplies right it spreads out, become contagious.
0: You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie's been digging into the book of Hebrews in a series called Jesus is Better. This book touches on so many amazing things, but really ties in the Old Testament covenant with the new. The author mentions the importance of the high priest and the sacrifices that were made. But the point is that Jesus became the high priest and also the sacrificial lamb for all people. Isn't it amazing how Jesus fulfilled all that was in the Old Testament? It's because Jesus became the high priest that now we can go to him for our strength, our courage, and our hope. Another way to come to God is in prayer. Jessica wants to tell you more about this.
2: Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program. And we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com.
0: Thanks, Jessica. While you're there, you can find all sorts of information about Calvary Chapel of Milford. And if you're in the area, we'd love to have you come visit on a Sunday morning. You'll find service times and directions on our website, runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks for listening to Running the Race.